Turn with me in Scripture. In fact, don't even turn anywhere yet. I want to talk to you all this morning about something that's been laid on my heart for a few weeks. And you know, it's something that it's, it takes a little while sometimes when God lays something on your heart to how to talk and how to share it. But I want to talk to you this morning simply on the topic, God is watching. God is watching. And about a year and a half ago, literally, I preached a message entitled, Be Consistent. And I was talking about the consistency of our walk, consistency of our talk and whatnot. And uh, in that time, if you remember, you may or may not have been here during that time, I, I said that for some people, God is simply the creator of the universe. You know, there are people who will recognize God and they'll say, yes, I believe that he created the heavens and the earth and, and I believe that, but because of that, it does not necessarily mean they have a relationship with God. And then for others, I mentioned during that time that uh, for some, they look at God and they fear. They fear God. They're, they're afraid of what might come next. They're, they're waiting for uh, the next judgment to come and they only see God as a judge. And then I, I remember talking at that time and saying that for some people, uh, sadly, some people have this idea that, well, you know, God may or he may not exist, but if he does exist, the reality is that he exists so far above us that there's no way that we could really have a real relationship with him. So they might even come to the conclusion that, yes, there is a God that exists, but just because there's a God exists does not mean that he actually is caring uh, or that he's loving or that he really wants to have a relationship with me. But as believers, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this message is for you as well. But for as believers, if we're sitting here this morning, the reality is that you and I, we have a confidence by faith in knowing that our God is interested. He is a caring God. As was sung earlier, He is a good, good Father for each and every one of us. Listen, James 1 and chapter 1, verse number 17, James tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Oh, He's a good, good Father. He never lets us down. And I didn't even plan the special music this morning. But how appropriate that we're reminded that our God will never ever let us down. Oh yes, we love Him because He first loved us. Right? We love God because He first loved us. It's because of what Jesus did in dying on the cross for our sins that He's approachable. The only way that I can approach the throne of God's grace, right, to find help, find mercy, obtain that mercy and find help, uh, grace and to help in our time of need, as Hebrews 4, 16 tells me, the only reason I can do that is because he's approachable, because of the work that Jesus Christ did. He's not only approachable, he's knowable through his word. We can read about God, we can learn about God, we can understand him better. We can have fellowship with God. We can commune with him, we can walk and we can talk with him, and all these things are great. It's amazing to think about all the things that we can do However, as we were reminded in our opening verse, and by the way, I'm not trying to do a disservice to that verse or to the passage or the context of that scripture. Simply, we were reminded in our opening verse that our God is watching. He's taking note. 
See? Because the Bible says again, listen to what Travis read. He said, for the ways of man are, are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. He takes note of everything that we think. He takes note of our pure thoughts. He takes note of our impure thoughts. And the Bible tells us in another passage of Scripture, and we'll get there, that he is weighing them. He's pondering them. He's looking at them. He's saying, what is it that is in your mind? Right? And what I know is if something gets into our mind, it's not long before it makes its way about 18 to 24 inches south to our heart. Right? And so he's interested in what we think, but he's interested also in everything that we say. In fact, Wednesday night I was talking to those that were here on Wednesday night, and I know it was a crazy time, uh, but we had service on Wednesday night and we opened up God's Word, and I was talking about the subject that words matter. Right? He's, he's, he's interested in what we say. Are we using words that edify one another? Or are we using words that tear one another down? Because the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Oh, what type of words are we using with one another? Because see, if God is watching... He is interested in what we think and what we say. He's also interested in everything we do. The works that are done in darkness, right? Men love darkness rather than light, right? And so he's, he's watching what we do. Are, are we living and acting in darkness or are we putting forth good works in light? The Bible tells us that uh, we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. In Proverbs 15, verse number 3, notice what the Bible says. It says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. In Psalm 33, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, The Lord looketh from heaven and beholdeth all the sons of men from the place of his habitation. That means he doesn't even have to move. He doesn't have to get up and go over to, to some kind of portal and look out. He's just sitting right there on his throne and he sees it. From his habitation, it says from the place of his habitation, he looketh upon, and I looked this up because I'm always interested to make sure that I'm giving you what the Bible says. It says he looketh upon, notice the next word, all. And did you know that in the Hebrew, I looked it up. I did because I wanted to make sure I was communicating truth. But it's still there. When I looked up the word in Hebrew, all still means all. Just because it's the English word for the Hebrew idea, it doesn't change the meaning one bit. It means all, every one of us. He is looking upon all the inhabitants of the earth. So simply I ask this question. If God is watching, if God is watching, then the ultimate question becomes... What is it that he is seeing? If he's watching me and he's watching you and he's watching all of us, what is it that he's seeing? The current state of affairs? Listen, I will tell you, I said it in, in, in kind of before the offering, we got people looking for peace and hope in all the wrong places. I want to encourage you to vote, but your peace will not be found in an election ballot. I want to encourage you to vote, but your hope is not found in some delegate, some senator, some congressman, some congresswoman. It's not found there. Our hope of the world is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
And so we have to be careful. Oh, oh, but pastor, don't you have a political opinion? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We ought to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. That's my political opinion. Whatever God's word says, that's what should govern my life. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. There ends my political rant for the day. <laughs> and the people of God said, thank you. <laughs> oh, yes, I'll go in and I'll vote Tuesday. Because if I don't, the three ladies from our church that work the voting booth will know that I did not vote. <laughs> uh, Pastor, we noticed you didn't come by the election, uh, the place of polling. <laughs> no, I'm going to go vote. I take uh, every opportunity I could do that. But turn with me to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see something here. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And when you get there, say amen. All right, look with me at verse number 19. Let's look at verse number 19. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and verse number 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, notice what verse number 22 says. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And verse number 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And what I want you to notice here, and do please take time to look at this, look at verses number 19, 20, 21, and 22 because that's all one sentence. Be careful when you read the book of Hebrews because it's very, it's very dangerous if you extrap, extrapolate one verse and pull it out of context, especially in the book of Hebrews. It's very dangerous, especially for those who, who have questions about are you saved, do you have eternal security. It's very, it's very important that you not pull Scripture out of, out of its context. So verse 19, 20, 21, and 22 is all one sentence. And if you notice in our text, verse number 23, 24, and 25 are all one sentence. So basically, in this passage, we have two sentences from God's Word. In the first sentence, God's Word reveals to us that Jesus is our perfect, notice I said the word perfect, perfect sacrifice. But also in this first sentence, we also learn that not only is Jesus our perfect sacrifice, He is our high priest. And everybody ought to say amen. That not only is he our perfect sacrifice, he's our high priest. I think about it year after year after year in the Old Testament. You read how sacrifices were made continually year after year for sin. Over and over they made the same sacrifices for sin. And yet every year there was a remembrance made of that sin. And in fact, in, in, uh, look over in verse number 4 of Hebrews chapter 10. We're already there, so it makes it easy. Look at verse number 4, because the Bible says here, it says that it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that they should take away sin. 
And so there was, there was something that had to be done, recurring, recurring. But notice what verse 5 and 6 says in, in chapter 10. Notice it says this. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, speaking of Jesus, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. He says, He's, he's basically saying that these burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin were not what was pleasurable to the Father. And so Jesus is understanding that he's got to do exactly what the Father wants him to do. Now drop down, look at verse number 9. You could read this also in verse number 7, but look at verse number 9. Then said he, speaking of Jesus, Then said he, Lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we uh, will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for who? Isn't that good? He offered one sacrifice once for all. Keep reading. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can what? Never take away sins. But this man, this was our verse that was on our walls all last year, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Now look at verse 13. From henceforth, that means from that point forward, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Look at verse 14. Here it is. For by one offering he hath Notice that word, perfected forever them that are sanctified. The only reason you and I have been sanctified is because of Jesus Christ. You and I have been set apart. We have been saved. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, he has become your perfect sacrifice. And, and by, by association, he's not only your perfect sacrifice, he is your savior. I'm thankful that three people got excited that they have a Savior today. Without our Savior, we're in trouble. We're in trouble without our Savior. And so that's an amazing thought. But also, what's amazing to me is that as our great high priest, he is to be our Lord. Right? If we're going to worship somebody, we ought to worship the Lord. He is not only our perfect sacrifice, He's not only our Savior, but He is our Lord. Look at verse 22 of our passage. Verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Now notice what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, Let us. He's including Himself. He's including Himself. He says, Let us, all of us, me included. Here's what we need to do. Because Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, because he is our great high priest, let us, let us all draw near, he says here, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. The phrase draw near here in the Greek means that you and I are to, pro, to approach, to come near, and to worship. The implication is that if I'm going to draw near to God, I have to make a deliberate decision to do so. Right? Just like getting up tomorrow morning, we have to make a deliberate decision whether we're going to get up and go to work or not. Anybody? Yeah, I know. The retirees are saying, I've already made the decision. I'm not going to work tomorrow. 
Congratulations, Marie. You don't have to go to work, right? We make a conscious, just like this morning. We, we have to. It's like when it comes, to, comes to, come, uh, to the Lord's house for worship, we have to get up. And some Sundays, let's be honest, some Sundays we're like, nope. Nope. Last week it would have been real easy for Gurr, my little fun, funny honey down here, it would have been real easy for her and I just to be like, oh, this hotel bed feels so good, right? Oh, nobody's watching. I mean, Junior and Tara aren't going to be concerned whether I go to church today. Uh, hmm, maybe, maybe we just have a little brunch and hang out. But you know who was watching? You know who was watching? The perfect sacrifice, who when I was 13 years of age became my savior. He's watching. He says, do you love me when you're not standing in the pulpit? Do you love me when you're on vacation enough to pray to me? Do you love me when you're on vacation enough to read my word? Do you love me enough to go and worship me? And our answer was yes. Yes, Lord, yes. And guess what? Not that you really need to know, but we gave an offering to that church. That's kind of cray-cray. I didn't know how I felt about that, but no, no. It was our wonderful opportunity and privilege to go into the Lord's house in, in, in this area of Pennsylvania and to worship God. And Krista and I were fed from God's word last week. We were encouraged, we were exhorted, we were admonished from the message from God's word last week. Listen, God's word tells us that we're to draw near, we're to come, we're to worship him. Notice verse 22 also says not only are we to draw near, it's these words. Notice it says that we're to draw near with a true heart. That's pretty important there, that phrase, true heart. Because those words mean that we are coming near to God with a heart that is genuine. A heart that is sincere. A heart that is honest. A heart that is without hypocrisy. Oh, because of what Jesus did in dying on the cross through his birth, through his sinless life, through his death, through his burial and his resurrection. Every one of us as believers, those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, should come openly and freely. And by the way, as the writer of Hebrews says, we ought to come confidently before the throne of God's grace to worship him. Oh yes, we ought to be honest and sincere and have genuine hearts when we worship. It's a privilege to draw near. It's a duty, actually, to draw near to God, but it's a wonderful opportunity. What a wonderful opportunity we have. James chapter 4, many of you might have thought of this as soon as I read verse 22. James chapter 4 and verse number 8 reminds us that if we will draw nigh or draw near to God, He will draw nigh or near to us. Oh, He expects us. He expects us to draw near to Him. And so that's what we do. In the second sentence, verses 23 through 25, the Holy Spirit instructs the writer of Hebrews to help us to look at another uh, set of our privileges and duties. Look at verse 23. Not only are we to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, but verse 23 says that we are to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Oh, listen, the phrase hold fast indicates to me and it should indicate to every one of us that at this time, the writer of Hebrews understands that there was a real threat. There was a real danger to those believers. 
And he says, you need to hold fast. There's a danger out there of of letting loose. There's a danger of saying, I don't want to worship. I don't want to show up for worship. There's a danger of not wanting to do what is honorable and right before the Lord. But the truth is, and I wrote this down, it doesn't matter if it was Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, saints from years ago or saints today. All of us, all of us face hardships. Anybody here ever faced a hardship in your life? All of us face hardships. We face assaults. Anybody been assaulted verbally or otherwise? And all of us, in some form or fashion, it just comes with the territory. You're going to face some form or fashion of persecution. But I would encourage you to look around. Oh, how blessed we are in the United States of America. Before you start throwing stones from a glass house, be mindful of how blessed we are. Because I just watched a video, and we're going to be showing it here soon. And so be on the lookout for it. I'm going to show a movie to you called The Insanity of God, in which a a missionary couple went all around the world looking at those who were persecuted for their faith. Oh, we are so blessed here. But in some form or fashion, you're going to face hardship. You may face assault from time to time, verbally or otherwise. You may face some form of persecution. But it should not change the fact that the Bible says that we're to hold fast that profession of our faith. I just simply say, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Listen, uh, it's like that old song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Listen, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust and wholly lean on Jesus' name. Hold on to Jesus, no matter what you're facing this morning. I'm reminded that our enemy may be mighty, I remember a song I used to sing years ago entitled, One Drop of Blood. And the phrase says, our enemy came in mighty. He may be mighty. He may be mighty. But I'm also reminded from 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He may be mighty. But I want to challenge you today. Listen, God is watching. He wants us not only to draw near, but he wants us to hold fast. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. As much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen, hold fast to Jesus. There's strength in the name of the Lord. There's power in the name of the Lord. As as Sandy Patty used to sing, there's strength, there's power, and there's hope in the name of the Lord. And I know, I know, but let me just remind you, because I know you're thinking, well, Pastor, we're living in some pretty turbulent times. But I want to remind you here this morning that Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, be reminded, folks, notice what it says. It says, for we wrestle not against, what? Quit fussing and feuding with people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. We cannot allow the voices, we cannot allow the lies, the words of discouragement, and the words of doubt, and they're out there. Believe me, people will try to get you off track every which way you turn, but we cannot allow these voices, we cannot allow false teaching, the circumstances, the trials, or the temptations of this life to draw us away or to cause us to to be shaken in our faith. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, look back at verse 23. Why would I not be shaken in my faith? Because the very last part of verse 23 says, for he is faithful that promised. When he says something, he means exactly what he says. 
If he says, I am going to uh, prepare a place for you and I will come again unto you and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also, I can trust that. If he says, in my Father's house are many mansions, I can trust that. Am I right? Either I'm right or I'm wrong, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. You can hold on to something else, but I want to hold on to Jesus. After all, he's watching. What does he see? What does he see, battlefield? What does he see if he's watching us? Oh, listen, Hebrews 4 and verse 14, the Bible says, seeing then, that phrase seeing then simply means because. Because we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Notice what it says. It says, let us hold fast our profession. Galatians 5 and verse number 1, Paul writes to the church at Galatia. He says, stand fast. That phrase there means do not move. Don't move, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Listen, John chapter 8 verse 36 reminds us that whoever the Son sets free, he himself is free indeed. Oh, listen, we need to hold on to Jesus. While the first two thoughts are certainly important for us and they're important to God this morning, as I wrap up this message, I want you to look at verse number 24 because here's where I really want to get to this morning because I believe verse 24 is something that we all need to be reminded of on occasion. And notice what verse 24 says. It says, and let us consider one another. Just stop right there for a second. When was the last time we took time to consider someone other than ourselves? The Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke. So how do we consider one another? We're to consider one another enough to provoke unto love and to good works. The word consider here actually means to give attention or continuous care to. That means, Trevor, I'm going to use you because you're sitting here on the corner. That means that I need to take time to consider Trevor Lawson. I need to take time to consider his needs. I need to take time to think about the constant and continuous care that this young man needs, the battles that this young man is facing spiritually and otherwise, and that I come alongside of him and hopefully encourage him from God's Word, and hopefully he understands it and then turns around and encourages me. This is what continuous care looks like. It's not just about, well, I care for my wife, and I care for my Well, what about Trevor? Do we care enough to continuously be reminded to consider someone other than in our small little circle? Oh, it's so important. I think about it for a second. What for a, uh, a second? What if we were more considerate to one another? What does that look like? What if we were more concerned with one another? What if we were more committed to meeting one another's needs? I'm not talking about socialism. I'm talking about generosity and loving one another as the early church did and supporting one another. What if we were more compassionate toward one another? Especially, here's somewhere where I think we fail to consider one another. What if one of our brothers or sisters in Christ has some egregious sinfulness in their life? A lot of times I look around and you know what I see? I see a good old-fashioned beatdown going on instead of a Galatians 6, 1 and 2, considering ourselves lest we be tempted as well, right? Right? Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one that is overtaken in a fault there from Galatians 6. I, a lot of times I see that we're, we're, 
this is kind of crazy to say, but we're killing one another from inside the church. We're, we're destroying the church from the inside. The outside is not attacking. It's the inside that many times is doing the destruction. Oh me, oh my. I want to encourage you, not only is the world watching. By the way, they watch. I had neighbors over in Centerville, Virginia, years ago, that watched my wife and I for about seven years before he walked across the street and asked me to pray for his family. It was during a time they had lost their son, and every year at that time when their son had lost his life, it was, very, it was a difficult time for this family, so much so that they were living in their son's house. But over a period of seven years, this, this family watched to see if what we said was exactly how we lived. Not only is the world watching what we think, how we talk, and how we live, which, by the way, includes how we interact with one another. That means what we say to one another, what we text to one another, what we post about one another. The world is watching, but you know what? That's important, but what about the mindset that God is watching? What about the fact that God is watching? What is he seeing? Because Proverbs 21, verse number 2, says this, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. You see, many times we think, we talk, and we act as though we're the only barometers of all that is good and true. Look at me, I'm saved, I'm headed for heaven, and I know everything, and because I'm a child of God, I need to tell you how you're wrong. No, what you need to do is love them enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody, right? We think that sometimes we're the barometers of all that is good and holy, and yet the Bible here says that the Lord is the one who's pondering the heart. What that means is he's weighing it out. He's saying, what's in your heart? When you say something to somebody, what is in your heart? Because one day it's all going to be made apparent. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will, we will, hey, listen, there'll be the wood, hay, and the stubble, and that's a great thing to think that they'll all be burned up. But guess what? We're going to have to watch it. We're going to have to watch it. We're going to see it all. See, in his commentary, I thought this was good, the Methodist theologian from the 1800s, Adam Clark, said this. He says, every man feels strongly attached to his own opinions, modes of acting, and, and though he will not easily give up anything to the judgment of a neighbor, who he will naturally consider at least as fallible as himself, yet he should consider the unerring eye of God upon him. And he should endeavor to see that what he or she does is acceptable in the sight of his or her maker and judge. Oh, we need to consider one another. Philippians 2, 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Hebrews 3 and verse 13, But exhort, the word exhort means to call near, to invoke, to beseech, or to comfort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness or delusion, is what that word deceitfulness means, of sin. Oh, listen, back in verse 24, not only does the Bible tell us to consider one another, but notice the word provoke. Has anybody ever been provoked to anger? Thank you for being honest. <laughs> Bless your heart. 
I have. I've been provoked to anger. Hey, let's, let's get really personal. Anybody ever been provoked to anger towards your spouse? I just wondered. Never. How dare you? I've never been angry with my wife. Right. I've never been angry with him. He's the man of God. Right. Right. <laughs> and I got some oceanfront property in Arizona. <laughs> We're good at provoking one another to anger, aren't we? And sometimes for the silliest things. Things that make no difference whatsoever, spiritually speaking. We're like, I don't like the way that person looked at me. Well, I don't either, but what are you going to do? Live in the land of hate and discontent? Listen, we're, we're yeah, I'm trying to say it, Linda. I'm trying to say it. <laughs> we're to provoke one another. Look at verse 24 again. Verse 24 says, and let us consider one another to provoke. It's real easy to provoke somebody to anger, but Scripture is saying, God is watching. Let us consider one another to provoke. Let's do it in the opposite direction. Let's, it's not about, oh, I've got to do all these good deeds. No, that's not what the verse says. It doesn't say consider one another and go do good to everyone. Certainly there's passages of Scripture that tell us that we're to do good to all them that are of the household of faith. But this verse says consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I'm going to consider you in such a way that would cause you to good works and love. I'm to, I'm to consider my actions, my words, my thoughts towards you, towards someone else, in such a way that would cause them to return or recompense that same thing back towards me. Right? That's, the Bible kind of is pretty consistent on that. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. See, we, we, we extrapolate scripture and then we don't want to listen to it when it connects with one another. The point here is that we need to consider one another. 1 Peter 1 says this in verse 22 and 23. It says, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure or a clean heart fervently. That word fervently means intently, without ceasing. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Love this passage in Romans chapter 12. You can write this down if you want. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means hypocrisy. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And so in other words, what that one verse is saying is that our love should never wear a mask. You ever put on a mask sometimes? Let's be honest. You ever put on a mask? You say, well, I love you. And yet, you know, I, I remember I used to love that verse. Uh, his words were smoother than butter. In Psalm 51, I believe it is, his words were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. Oh, listen, we have to be careful how we say we love one another. Love should never wear a mask. We should hate sin and we should remain attached to that which is good. And the last thing I notice, and look with me at verse 24, and I close here, 
verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, our Lord established His church. It's not my church. It's not our church. It's His church. He died for the church. He loved the church so much that He willingly laid down His life for the church, as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And He did so for a reason. He did so because he knew that we needed one another. As believers, we're to exhort one another. We're to exhort one another to assemble for worship. We're to exhort one another to pray. We're to exhort one another to study God's word. We're to exhort one another for ministry outside of these walls. The church has left the building idea. Our ministry should not just be simply on Sundays and Wednesdays and special events. Our ministry to one another should be each and every day. We should be praying for one another. We should gather for prayer. We should gather to study God's Word. Do you know that you could get together with a group of believers and study God's Word in your home? You don't need Pastor Greg to do that. Consider one another, to provoke one another, and to love and to good works. Oh, the truth is that we as believers need one another. Romans 14, 7 says, For none of us live to ourselves, and no, none of us die to ourselves the implication of that verse there. We need the presence, the fellowship, the strength, the encouragement, the care, and the love of one another. I love what Stephen J. Cole wrote in 2004. He was writing about this particular passage of Scripture, and he said these words. He says, Invariably, when people drop out of church, their focus is always on themselves, not on God or others. Instead of thinking, how can I be used to spur others on in love, question mark, they think, my needs are not being met. That church is unfriendly. That church is unloving. He goes on to say this. He says, the truth is that you nor I can practice, you and I can practice faith and hope, excuse me, when we are alone, but you or I cannot encourage one another to love and to good deeds when we are alone. We have to gather with other saints in order to do that. Listen, what is God seeing when he looks at us? Because he's watching. Does he see us regularly gathering and drawing near to him? Does he see you holding fast to that profession of your faith? Does he see you considering one another and provoking one another to love and to good works? Does he see you taking time regularly to assemble with other believers to worship Him, to pray to Him, to study His Word, and not only to do all those things towards Him, but to do ministry toward one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another. Because there's one thing I know. You can't do it on your own, and neither can I. And so what does God see when he looks at you, what does he see? Because I can tell you his desire is that we do these things in such a way that bring him the ultimate honor and the ultimate glory. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.